Hey, Being at Work listeners, welcome back to another bonus episode. This is your host, Andrea Butcher, and we have a special episode today. My husband, Robert Butcher, is joining me, and he did so a couple of months ago when we released The Power in the Pivot, my first leadership book. And he's doing so again today because I just released another book called Human Resources Kit for Dummies, published by Wiley. And it was a, whew, it was an experience. Lots of leadership lessons learned. And he said, why not come back on the show and talk about the experience like we did with the other book? So Robert, welcome to the show. Hey, Andrea, thank you. Great job and congratulations with your second book. Thank you. It was, uh, I know it was a lot of hard work, but it turned out excellent. And I'm looking forward to talking about it. Having fun. I know we're going to laugh a lot and learn a bit about your path in rewriting this book. My understanding is it is the fourth edition and you were brought in to rewrite the previous edition to bring it current. Can you tell us how did that happen? Well, I mean, there's a lot I could say there. I do want to share with our audience just a little bit of context around this bonus episode. I want this to preface this conversation with the fact that I know nothing about this conversation. We're just freeforming it because you referenced that it was an experience, and I appreciate your congratulations because you saw the ups and downs of this experience. You saw there was actually a couple of like breakdown moments, weren't there? <laughs> And maybe we'll yes. get into some of that. I don't know if that's on your agenda, but okay, back to your question. So you asked me how this book came to be, right? How'd you come to write the fourth edition of the HR for Dummies? Yeah, great question. It is Human Resources Kit for Dummies. I, and I actually really like HR Kit for Dummies better than HR for Dummies. I was calling it HR for Dummies for a long time, and then I realized it's actually HR Kit for Dummies. It is the fourth edition, and the previous edition was written by the CEO of Robert Half in 2008. And so Wiley, who's the publisher of the Dummies series, had been for the last couple of years in the recognition that that's really outdated, had been looking for a potential author. The CEO of Robert Half is retired. He didn't have any interest in the fourth edition, and so... Wiley found me through LinkedIn. And because we have HRD, the business that I lead, has a relationship with Wiley, there were also some connections through that. And so they reached out. I had an interview with them. I actually had to do a writing sample for them. And I was selected to author this fourth edition. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, does Wiley also publish the Leadership Challenge? They do. Yes. Okay. All right. And the five behaviors of a cohesive team and everything DISC. So yeah, we are a global training partner with Wiley. Okay, cool connection. Give us a, a high level view of what it took to rewrite and bring the third edition current to the fourth edition. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a process. And, you know, it was on the heels of my writing The Power in the Pivot, which was more like Andrea's heart, stream of consciousness, pulling together some stories from the podcast. So I was free to write whatever with the power and the pivot. And this book, 
it's significant. It's 376 pages is this book. And I was just looking at how many chapters, what, like 20 some chapters. And it really is a snapshot of the entire world of the human resources function, which is significant. So fortunately, the editorial team at Wiley has an incredible process that they took me through. They had all of the resources from the previous version. We had lots of conversations about the spirit of the book, and one of the primary editors encouraged me the entire time. Andrea, it's just like you're sitting down for a cup of coffee with a friend talking about what's happening in human resources. Like, that's the dummies aspect of it. It's the basics. And so with that in mind, it was really chapter by chapter. I created a schedule and knew that we were releasing in mid-March, and so worked backwards from there, building a schedule to get it all accomplished. And shit, it was hard. (laughs) But, you know, it's like one small win time after time, and eventually all of the chapters were completed. Yeah. You mentioned it's 370 pages, and they are dense pages, I got to say. I mean, you leave through this, and not many pictures, not many (laughs) blank pages. Not many graphs (laughs) or charts. (laughs) That had to, to take a lot of work. What are some tips and tricks? And you just mentioned, hey, small wins along the way and your publisher led you along, but any other tips and tricks for somebody that's endeavoring with a rewrite? I think collaboration was key. So a dear friend of mine who is the co-founder of Next Gen Talent with me, Kelly Lavin, she served as the technical editor and it gave me so much comfort knowing that everything I was writing was going to her for another eye. You know, my background, and I, I say right away in the acknowledgments, like my experience in human resources has primarily been from an employee development perspective. I've spent most of my career focusing on the performance side of HR, the developing the potential within the, the workforce, and a huge portion of the book is that. But there's a lot around the, like the legal complexities, navigating the regulatory environment, compensation and benefits that I don't have experience in or deep experience in. And so I relied heavily on Kelly's technical expertise, but also the expertise of other subject matter experts. So Ogletree Deacons, which is a law firm that we partner with, they provided legal counsel. They looked at all of the book in its entirety and specifically those chapters that are heavy on the legal requirements and the employment law sections. And that just gave me a lot of comfort, right? Because there's no way I could have done that portion on my own. That collaboration was absolutely key. You've got great people around you. It's a great testament to those relationships and how this all came together and those that chipped in. Well, and even my friend Rhonda McClurg, who leads HR, or leads talent acquisition at a company called IA, I reached out to her hey, as I'm rewriting this section on recruiting and sourcing, I just would love to get your thoughts. And so she and I went and had a beer and talked over my thoughts and she really added to it. And same thing with compensation. Megan Nail at NFP provided expertise on compensation. Thomas Mackey provided expertise around the benefits portion. So I just, I'm so grateful that I've got a tribe I can reach out to and say, hey, I've got a foundation, fill in the gaps here and help me make this stronger. And that's what they did. That's awesome. When did you say when the last version was published? 2008, which is a long time ago. Lots happened in the last 15 years. 
Well, yeah, let's go there. What are some notable additions or changes that you incorporated into this new edition? Great question. You know, it's I think of the framework very similarly. The aspects of human resources being everything from sourcing talent to like managing the performance of talent, managing the potential of talent to exiting talent. And so the general framework is the same. The thing that's different is the experience and how we're thinking about employees and team members and because the expectations of the workforce have shifted so much over the last few years that organizations are treating the experience very differently. And so those things weren't incorporated. You know, the hybrid work model, for example, wasn't referenced, obviously, in the 2008 version. There was a short chapter on telecommuting, and that was it, right? It was really written for a brick-and-mortar organization. There was nothing on mental health, for example. There was a, a brief paragraph on wellness and a little bit on diversity, equity, and inclusion, but it wasn't represented in a way that it's represented in the workforce today. So I would say general framework, very similar, but the nuances of what's being talked about from an employee perspective, the challenges that organizations are having when it comes to managing team members, a lot of those things just updated. So really, the I mean, I, I would say it is a rewrite. We looked at every single section in there's really not a portion that remained intact. You know, it's all um, evolved a lot to represent the state of work today. Wow. Yeah. Sounds like there were a lot of good, good new content in there. My understanding of the Four Dummies series is they have a thing called the Part of Tens. Is that a good place to consider a kind of a summary of the book in the parts or some juicy content there? I do like the parts of 10, and I do think it really represents what I said earlier about sitting down with a friend for coffee. These are the high-level things, because the, the audience, this is an important thing to note, the audience for this book is, is really someone who's newer to HR or talent, or a business owner, a small business owner in particular, who's having to manage a lot of the aspects of HR himself or herself, and they just need to know the basics. Those sections definitely provide that. One mantra that I started the book with, I, I went back recently, and I did the same thing with The Power and the Pivot. I, both books I was feeling a little sheepish about. And when I went back and reread the beginning of HR for Dummies, just like with Power and the Pivot, I was like, oh, wow, this is actually pretty good. I think this is good. And one of the things I say right away in HR Kit for Dummies is, that this book really represents the shift from the 2008 version to this version is that this book represents much more of a focus on the human versus the human as a resource. And I think that was a good way to describe the whole book. It's just the human element really shines through. It didn't as much in the 2008 version, I don't think anyways. Yeah. And you do that so well. So it's perfect timing for you and this book. Okay. Well, I appreciate what you covered there. I think we probably have a good idea of the audience and the content changes there. Anything else you wanted to, you want to add about the content of the book or the, any lessons you learned in rewriting the book? Oh gosh. You definitely leaned on your relationships. Mm -hmm. You stayed in the hard stuff. Mm -hmm. Take me through the rest of the lessons and the pivot. 
Well, I mean, I'll, I'll be really vulnerable. And Robert, you know this, that the editorial team got on to me at one point for borrowing content from a website. I was doing some research on a particular topic and a lot of the topics that I found, let's just use employee engagement as an example. You could type in employee engagement and find all kinds of things on the internet about that. One Google search is going to yield thousands and thousands of hits. And so what I would do is whenever I was rewriting a section is I would start with a general concept or an idea of the key points and messages I wanted to convey. But there were a few times when I wanted to ensure that I was aligned with other resources, other tools. And so I would go out and I would find some statistics that I would always cite my sources around, or I would find some other research to bring in. And there was something, I don't remember exactly what the topic was, but I had pulled some content from a website. And what I always strived to do was to go back then and rewrite it in my own words. But I didn't do that well enough. And that was really hard. You know, immediately I felt like, oh my gosh, am I plagiarizing? And so we got on a call with the editorial team and immediately they put me at ease. I shared with them just what I'm sharing with all of you. And they said, no, it happens all the time, and particularly in the world in which we're leaving, living. There's so much content out there. And it just got me thinking a lot about just all of the contents out there and shared information and ensuring that whenever I'm authoring something like a book like this, that I'm not taking word for word, that I really am like leveraging the information, but putting it into words that are my own. So that was that was just an interesting a humbling, interesting lesson that I learned. Well, in, in remembering that happening at the time and us talking about it and how you, you felt bad about it, I think the lesson of staying in the, on the stage. At that moment, you had a, had a feeling of maybe not finishing, and, but you stayed on the stage and you powered through. And that was good on you for doing that and, and a great part of kind of the lessons that you profess for leadership. And I got to say, too, the going big picture, although not clearly in the book, you might make a tie, but I think the listeners should know that for a while you've had a vision and poured into a vision of being a multiple published author. And that has been a vision of yours for, for many years since I've known you, or shortly after at least. And the way this came together in those relationships that's a very interesting thing about you and this process. And it kind of just happened, but not after years of you visioning and affirming that this was going to happen, having some doubts at times, but it did happen. And so again, congratulations on sticking with that vision and staying on the stage and leveraging your relationships. That's so cool. I love how you're bringing in the lessons from the power and the pivot into this book experience. We, we didn't really mean it to happen <laughs> that way, but those are good, good, good lessons. But it's affirming, right? I mean, those are the power in yeah. this challenge. So other than read this book or listen to your podcast, what other messages would you have for a new HR leader? Yeah. I mean, I think it's all about knowing the business that you're in and what that business is trying to do. And then the people in that business, knowing who your key stakeholders are and working hard to build and maintain relationships with them, serving them, being a balancing act, being a thought partner, 
being a safe place for people to fall while also holding people accountable. I mean, the, be the best HR people are just really good leaders. They lead with integrity and they're not afraid to share a perspective. And even if it's a hard one, they know what they stand for. They know what the business stands for and they keep going in that vein. You said that in your know the business. I think, gosh, that's a great chapter to start with. And I think it does, or in the part of tens, that's one of the main first points and gosh, a credibility of an HR leader to know the business. Some of these businesses that HR professionals are with are pretty complicated or right. maybe very different than what they come from. So yeah, that's, that's a great lesson. Okay. What could you tell the listeners is next on the horizon for you? <laughs> book number three. I'm really excited about another book in the Being at Work series. The Power and the Pivot was all about the first year of stories that we collected. And there have been over a hundred stories we've collected since then. So there's some stories that I really want to pull from. And I have this idea for the next book in the Being at Work series being all about the power in the story. There's so many leaders after being a guest who have said to me, thank you so much for the opportunity to share my story. And even many who have said to me, it was really healing. It was an important part of my journey. So there's something in there. So I, I would really want to encourage HR leaders to, to tell their story, to know their story, to name it, to be courageous enough and vulnerable enough to talk about it. There's so much goodness in that. So there's something in that that's coming. Awesome. Sounds great. And, you know, I'll always support that, especially on a riding surfing retreat weekend. Where? Puerto Rico. <laughs> there we go. It sounds like we got to get that started in Puerto Rico. Okay, hon. This, I've been excited about this moment. We're going to play a little game. Okay. Kind of like two truths and a lie, except we're going to call it two dummies and an idiot. So the four dummies series is amazing. And I just want to say to the listeners, if you're starting something new or you're stuck on something that's not going well, you might Google up if there's a four dummies book on that subject matter. So what we're going to do is I have, I'm going to ask you five rounds and I'm going to give you two that are real four dummies books and one that is not, and you have to try to guess which one is the idiot. There's not a four dummies book. Now, wait a second. There is a, a four idiot series. No, that we're not, I don't know about all that. Okay. I'm talking about four dummies, all right, so, clearly. So this has nothing to do with the idiot series. This is just if it's a no, four dummies. No, we're talking four dummies. All right. I yeah. just want to make sure I understood the rules before I engage in the game. Yes, and no no Googling. I want to see your I want to see your fingers. I'm not Googling. I don't want to, no, no, no typing you know, while I'm asking. You know how competitive I am. You know how much I, I love games. So bring it. I'm, I know. I know. I'm ready. But first we have to decide on a wager. So if uh, you get three out of five, what do you win? And conversely, if you don't get three out of five, what do you lose? I think it should be the same thing, but you get to pick. I want to go to Puerto Rico. Oh, Puerto Rico. Gosh. Why did I mean, I take it back. No. <laughs> okay. You said I get to all right, all right. All right. All right. All right. So if I get three out of five, we're going to Puerto Rico. We are. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Again, two dummies and an idiot. You tell me which one 
is not a book in the Four Dummies series. Okay. The Ready. Idiot. Public Speaking for Dummies. Okay. Surfing for Dummies or Sudoku for Dummies. I bet there's not a public speaking for dummies. No, there is. Shit. <laughs> no. There is not a surfing for dummies. So oh. hopefully the four dummies folks are listening and, you know, I know a guy. Dang it. All right. Well, I'm down one. Okay. Okay. Come on. Okay. You, that was a tough one. These will get a little easier. Self-publishing for dummies. Old tractors and the men who love them for dummies or running for dummies. Surely it's old tractors and the men who love them for dummies. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yes. I'm so glad. That is an act that is a title of a book okay. minus the four dummies. Okay, good. Okay. All right. So I got one. Um, I got one. I just need two more. Here we go. So you have one out of two. Bernie Doodles for dummies. Tennis. For dummies or the Bible for dummies? Definitely, there is not a Bernadoodles for dummies. Ah, oh, good one. <laughs> there is not. It was kind of a trick question. There is a Doodle Dogs for dummies. But no Bernadoodles. But no Bernadoodles. Okay. I got to say, I'm kind of interested in the Bible for dummies. I bet that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, we should, it probably we should get that. Okay, I got two. Okay, beer for dummies, tequila for dummies, or podcasting for dummies? Oh, gosh. Oh, I know. <laughs> I bet there's not a podcasting for dummies because it's so new. Mm, sorry, Shit, honey. is it beer? <laughs> <laughs> there is a beer for dummies. There's a podcasting there's no for dummies. There's no tequila. There's no tequila for dummies. Gosh. There is a whiskey and spirits for dummies but no tequila for dummies. Sorry, I'm cursing. This is bringing out the cursing in me. <laughs> Golly. I, well, on that note, let's just go. Okay, there's curse words for dummies, sailing for dummies, or our son's favorite, Minecraft for it's dummies. It's got to be cursing for dummies because you wove that in. You got yeah. it. You're right. We're going to Puerto Rico. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we are. How about but Robert? We'll, uh, I feel we'll like to, you uh, made that so easy for me because clearly you just you weren't going to say cursing for dummies. Actually, I had that as an option. That was one of my go tos on the face. Oh, there you go. Um, well, see, you that played out really well for me. But there are. I just want to say again, there's 339 different books in the Four Dummies series. Something for everybody. It's amazing. That's all I had. Congratulations. I did not think we were going to be wagering puerto rico but i think we were kind of planning to go there anyways and yeah so we'll have to podcast about that next robert wiley is going to love this podcast because we have really highlighted the for dummy series it's a cool concept isn't it it's a really cool concept so i'm so grateful to yeah. have been a part of it honey congratulations i'm so proud of you oh, thank you uh, it's exciting Thanks for being such a great support through all of it. Cause you saw me at some low points as you referenced and you saw me at some high points as well. I'm grateful for the opportunity and I'm grateful for this time for us to share leadership lesson lessons. One of the things we talk about a lot is the way in which you do anything teaches you a lot about how you do everything. And so I definitely learned a lot about myself through this experience and the, the reminder that 
of course, things are going to be hard at times. And you go back to your why, you go back to your values, and you keep going. And small win after small win, eventually it gets done. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to never miss a being at work story. 